Hello and welcome to another episode of the I'm Learning Mandarin podcast. So regular listeners to this podcast will be aware that a common thread running through many of the topics we discuss here is how to create an optimal language learning environment while studying Mandarin from outside Chinese speaking countries. So on today's podcast, I explore the topic of immersion with the founders of a groundbreaking new language learning initiative. It's called Mandarin Retreat, and its organizers, Carl, Ryan, and Esther, who are all regulars on this podcast, aim to enable Mandarin learners of all levels in the UK to replicate the experience of living in a totally Chinese-speaking environment for an entire weekend. The immersive weekend trips takes place in Scarborough, in the north of England. Small groups of native Chinese speakers and Mandarin learners are brought together to enjoy a weekend of walks, eating, and fun activities, all in a 100% Chinese-speaking environment. I recently attended one of the first ever retreats and found it was a real boost to my spoken Chinese. As I documented in a recent blog, it was the first time I'd ever gone a whole weekend totally immersed in the language, and by the end of it, my Mandarin was noticeably more fluent than it had ever been before. Now Mandarin Retreat are partnering with space repetition website hackchinese.com to host a raffle, giving UK-based Chinese learners the chance to win a free place on a weekend trip. For full details and to enter the raffle, visit the link in the description. Okay, so welcome everybody to this edition of the podcast. So before we get started talking about the topic of immersion, I wondered whether you could each explain what your roles are in relation to this exciting new initiative that you're launching at the moment. Hi everyone, I'm Carl. I've joined the podcast several times before and I'm the lead organiser involved in setting up these retreats. Yeah, hi, I'm Esther. Thank you for having me back on the podcast. I'm a UX designer by day. I'm also an avid Mandarin learner, as you know. I'm really uh, excited about getting involved with the Mandarin Retreat Initiative. Uh, so I've joined the team organising the retreats because uh, I think they will really help other um, Chinese learners in the UK. Hi, everyone. I'm Ryan, aka Lingo, Lingo Geek. I have been a teacher and language learner for a number of years and a fledgling blogger now and I am delighted to be co-organizer of the uh, the Mandarin Retreat Immersion Weekends. I was thrilled to have the opportunity to participate. I think they're a fascinating idea. Okay so we're going to get into that more in a moment and learn more about these Mandarin retreats, what they entail and what your ideas are for the future. But before we do that I was wondering if we could go around and talk about our own personal experience of immersion. I recently wrote a blog which I published last week where I debunked four myths about learning Chinese. And the first one was that you need to live in China in order to learn Chinese. And this was something that when I first started learning Chinese, a lot of people said, and that I kind of believed, but I didn't have the luxury of being able to live in China. And so I had to think of ways to create immersive environment. So I'm one, I think we're all in the same situation in that sense that we've been learning Chinese outside of China. We've all had to create find ideas to create our own immersive environments. Carl, if you could start, how have you sort of gone about doing that? And what role has immersion played in your Chinese learning journey? So as you probably know from the previous podcasts, my wife is Chinese and we met three years ago. For the first around two years of our relationship, my Chinese level wasn't high enough to speak Chinese with her every day at home because it was too taxing and I didn't know all of the words that I needed to use. So I first started by using graded readers, watching TV shows, um, reading stories. And then her mum came to stay with us in the UK for a year. Her mum speaks Chongqinghua. And I guess that was kind of an immersive experience because I was listening to them speaking 
to each other every day. But in my opinion, Chongqinghua is quite different to Mandarin. It's as if your target language is Spanish, but then you can't go to Spain. So instead you go to Italy and immerse in Italian to try and learn Spanish. It doesn't really work. So I think that using graded readers and stories are great, but I really needed something more to fully immerse. Mm, I found something similar when I first uh, started trying to immerse in Chinese outside of China. The first thing I did was graded readers. And they're really, really helpful, definitely, because one thing is that if you're outside of China, there's no reason why you can't just read as much as you would if you were in China. There's just as much reading of material available online, and you can immerse in that as, as much as possible. What's slightly more difficult to kind of replicate, though, is the social side of things. Being surrounded by the language in social situations continuously, the opportunity to continuously be listening to Chinese passively, that is slightly harder in my experience to kind of replicate. I wonder if, Ryan, you have any ideas around that? Like, what kind of role has immersion played for you? How have you kind of tried to overcome those barriers? I've approached I approach Mandarin from very much the the same um, view that I approached my other the other languages that I learned in the past, which is eat, sleep, and breathe. That's good in practice, in theory, but in practice, you know, life tends to get in the way. The older I've got, it becomes more difficult to fit everything in. So, there's terms of Mandarin. I yeah, we've mentioned graded readers. I think they're one they're a wonderful resource. Anything that's allowed me to listen, to speak, and to read Chinese has been helpful, whether it's an app, whether it's graded readers, whether it's songs, although songs don't necessarily help as much for the tones, I found. But same as you, there's always been, it doesn't matter what language I've learned, I've always had that social, the social aspect, because with the social aspect, aspect for me, there's nowhere to hide. You have to produce the language if there's someone in front of you throwing questions at you, especially if they don't speak a lot of English. So that was very helpful. You know, the other languages I've learned, I've never actually lived in the countries that, apart from French, I've never actually lived in the countries that those languages come from. So I have experience of, of learning through immersion. But having learnt, started Chinese in lockdown, that was an issue because <laughs> there was not a lot of socialising going on. So no, I definitely, without some interaction with native speakers, all the other things on their own just won't do. Because you recently blogged about this when you wrote a blog for imlearningmandarin.com, which I'll link to in the description about your experiences of using language exchange apps and how they kind of helped you to plug that gap in your immersion. Yeah, absolutely. Without necessarily like loads of native speakers around you, I, like you say, I tried to recreate that effect using, first of all, HelloTalk and uh, later on Conversation Exchange. But And a lot of the voice calls that been, when I was first learning Mandarin were, what, 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes long, because um, that's about as many phrases as I could put together. But that kind of built over time and I managed to find several consistent language exchange partners who could speak f for an hour. So we do half an hour English, half an hour Chinese. I would use them alongside my tutor and they would complement anything that I learned with my tutor and we would put, sort of put them into conversation and even transfer them into other contexts. But you had to, it was, it took work to find that right partnership. As I described in my blog, you had to have a combination of patience. You had to have a combination of, of knowing when we wanted to speak more English or when we wanted to speak more Chinese and exactly what the content was. So the, the world of language exchange is, is, is an important one, but it's one that needs to be used, used correctly. Because if, if you don't use it efficiently, then it's, I don't think it's as big a help. 
Yeah, I wanted to come to Esther. So Esther, I wanted to ask you, uh, you've been learning Chinese for a couple of years now, I think. This buzzword that we're using, immersion, was that something you were conscious of early on that you wanted to do in terms of learning Chinese, that you wanted to immerse yourself in the language? Or or if not, when did that become a part of your Chinese learning? Um, yeah, I was lucky, actually. I think apart from a very misguided month on Duolingo, I found out about immersion and comprehensible input very early on. And I think it's because of that that I've been studying for about two years now, but I did a lot of reading great readers using apps like LingQ, and it's got my comprehension up to an okay level in a, in a relatively short period of time. So I know why it's a buzzword, <laughs> it works, but I think I just wanted to pick up on the point that both of you have made around the social aspect it is very important and I think that's that was missing in my learning and to some extent still is I've started to address that a bit more and I realized there's just such a different quality to human beings as social animals right and when you're out with friends and you're having a discussion with them and making mistakes obviously as well I found that the corrections that I receive there or the phrases that I have to say they stick with me so much more than I might listen to a, an audio story about someone paying a bill in a restaurant a million times but it won't really stick in the same way as when you're out with friends and you need to discuss who's going to pay the bill that's what sticks with you so yes immersion absolutely works but I think there's different types of immersion in my opinion and you need a bit of both of them. I, I totally agree with that. And the point that you just made there about things sticking in your head when you've had a particularly meaningful social interaction, certain phrases, certain words just stick a lot better. That's something that uh, Professor Karen Chung, who has been on this this podcast a couple of times, that's a point that she she recently made. And and I totally I totally reiterate that. One thing I wanted to add to that point is that like for me, particularly when I was learning Chinese in lockdown, to some extent, the language exchange apps that Ryan has just mentioned there really helped me to plug that gap, to have those social interactions. But it wasn't perfect for a couple of reasons. One of them is that I really think that there's a huge difference between face-to-face -face social interaction and online social interaction. I remember when I was in the lockdown, after all that time during the lockdown, when the only interactions in Chinese I'd been able to have had been online. I remember the first time I attended like a group meetup where I was able to have these face-to-face -face interactions. It just made such a difference not to have that slight time lag, not to have that kind of those moments when the voice on the other hand hasn't been that clear. And just to have that face-to-face -face interaction where you can like really read people's facial expressions a lot more clearly and I just think makes the, the world of difference. So although I completely agree with Ryan that like for me in my own experience of learning Chinese, these language exchange apps like Tandem, like HelloTalk have continued to play like a really important role and I do, I do still use them. But it's not quite the same as going out with friends as having those really meaningful interactions when you're face to face with people. Is that something that you'd all agree with as well? I would completely agree with that and I found as well, even though just like you said, HelloTalk and apps like that, um, I've had a lot of benefit from making friendships there and having conversations with people. It's not the same as face-to-face -face, and also I find the type of conversations that you end up having are still different to real life ones. So I think when you're in a face-to-face -face situation, there's just certain things where you want to say, oh, could you pass me that thing or let me hand you this hit? Like this, I know from what you guys have said as well from the immersion trip that you've done previously as a group, that actually you guys realised that there was a whole set of vocabulary and phrases that you maybe hadn't thought about needing yet until you were in that situation of being in a house full of people and needing to interact. Absolutely. And I wanted to come on to talking more about these immersion trips because we've just sort of outlined there 
the kind of importance of having social interactions and the benefit of them being face to face, but the difficulty of of replicating that outside of Chinese speaking countries. So I wondered, Carl, like if you could explain a little bit about how you initially came up with this idea for the Mandarin retreats. And was it inspired by the kinds of things that we've been talking about and by your own Chinese learning journey? Yeah, so I think most people in the UK at the moment who are trying to learn Chinese have a bit of a difficult situation because it's quite hard to get to China at the moment because of the pandemic and things. So the reason why I thought of this idea about these trips was because it's one of the only ways to create a truly immersive experience for several days in a row where you're with native speakers face to face and nothing else like this really exists at the moment so I'm really excited about this. Absolutely and what about the rest of you like what was your first kind of reaction to this idea because you're all involved now obviously you're on board but did you immediately think that this was like a really good idea that you personally could benefit from uh, Ryan and Esther? Um, Yeah I mean personally I it wasn't specifically an immersion weekend but I remember going over to sort of Manchester for spring festival and spending time with with Chinese native speakers and then the immersion weekend started to kick off and I thought if this is an opportunity you know to to, to recreate the the immersive and actually like you say Misha have face-to-face contact with native speakers for an extended extended period of time this is something I would like to get involved in I wasn't sure if it, I wasn't sure how much demand there would be for it at the time but there's there's been an excellent response so far and I'm, I'm really enjoying being part of it yeah I was so excited when I first heard about the idea because it's exactly the kind of thing that I would want to sign up for myself um it's very difficult to travel and to do immersion abroad so something like this in the UK um where it's you know you only need to commit a weekend of your time but you can um, boost your level so quickly I think or really have that kind of uh, step up in your experience even from just a couple of days of pure immersion Um, so yeah I was super excited when I first heard about the idea. Absolutely and you've already organized I believe two of these events so far and I attended both of those events so I can vouch for how useful they were personally for me. I got to speak Chinese for the entire weekend. I've personally been learning five Chinese for five years. And during that period, I have had lots of opportunities to meet up with Chinese friends. I regularly do that. I regularly have conversations lasting for hours. But what this weekend provided me for the first time was the opportunity to have that for an entire weekend where you're not speaking any English, you're constantly surrounded by the language and you're surrounded by like real life situations. It forces you to learn how to say important things that are surrounding you in everyday life and are important to say that really don't really come up in kind of language exchange type conversations. Um, So that was what that experience was like for me. I'm wondering the first two trips that you've organized, particularly Ryan, I'm interested in because you're at sort of elementary level at the moment. And a lot of people might be apprehensive about getting involved in something like this at an elementary level, because you're surrounded by a language that you can't really understand most of. Did you still feel that you were able to get a lot out of that experience? Absolutely. Before both really, but more more of the first one. I was genuinely terrified of the thought of sort of putting my mandarin to the uh, to the test um against the group of native speakers for an entire weekend but i sort of put that to the side and uh, because you know the biggest battle for me in my language learning is always in getting against my own mind and myself so i you know took my notebook and i also have notes on my phone while i'm out walking which i can take my sort of mantra was was try as much as possible so it doesn't matter what you've got take it and use it 
And even if it's something simple, like Esther was saying, you know, like pass me the salt or something similar, or it's so cold today or anything like that. Obvious phrases start with them, break the ice and try and get in. And the experience was so worthwhile because I found myself really with like-minded people who obviously we're language learners and the native speakers who came were very patient and would explain things in, in different ways if I want, if I wasn't understanding. And not only that would, if I recorded any vocab while I was with them, they would put it into sentences for me and I'd write those down and I'd take them with me. Um, but it wasn't actually, it wasn't the vocab that was the most valu- valuable to me on that first, especially the first time. It was the effect on my listening skills because over the two weekends, my listening skills have been accelerated no end to the point where I don't have to, I was on the first weekend, I'll never forget because I was having to break the conversation up every so often just saying, I don't understand or I don't understand. Just explain that again. And it gets, I understand that it gets very boring for, <laughs> for the person speaking to me because they have to, they constantly have to backtrack and think of what, what they've said again. But by the second weekend, I was, I was, I felt like I was hammering it. I didn't have to break up the conversation as many times with, to say, I don't understand. I could process it. I could think about it and then give an answer to what I'd heard. And also it reinforced, like we said, if once you use vocab in a certain context with a certain native speaker, you remember that more. So I came out of those, not just with the opportunity to socialize in Mandarin, but also to learn vocab, use it, in, use it straight away and to understand what was coming at me. And I love the fact that during those weekends, there's nowhere to hide. It's very easy to sit there like on a voice call with an exchange partner and, you know, shuffle your notes around while you're trying to say, and they'll wait patiently while you're flicking through your vocab book, trying to find that phrase to say to them. But when, when someone's there in front of you, it very much takes that that time away and you've got to think on the spot and I found that so useful because I can get very mentally lazy if I'm given the time but there was no room to maneuver there was no room to hide I had to produce stuff and it was one of the best experiences I've ever had through my language learning. Absolutely I wanted to ask Carl as well because Carl you were obviously an organizer and a participant in these weekends and we did a variety of different activities we um, so we met up on the Friday evening and then on Saturday, we went on various walks around Scarborough. The following day, we went to Whitby. The, the evenings, we'd watch movies and play board games and that kind of thing. What was your what was your personal highlight? What was your favorite part of, of the weekend? Um, so one of the things that I enjoyed was that I made a speech about the history of the castle. And I got to learn a lot of new voc- vocabulary that way. I practiced it several times, so it really got ingrained in my mind. And then also, I really liked playing the board games. So there was one experience where I was playing chess against Catherine, who um, has joined the podcast before, and she's also a native Chinese speaker. That taught me another meaning of the word buhui. She hadn't really played chess before, and um, I was teaching her how the moves work. And she said, oh, so that piece, buhui, take my piece in this position. And I always thought that buhui meant can't but in that situation it meant won't so I started saying oh well yeah technically I could take that piece but I don't really want to because it's a bad move and then that led to all kinds of confusion and then eventually she had to explain oh buhui means that it won't take that piece rather than it can't. I'm so envious I haven't been on one of the trips yet I'm signed up for the next one um, and I'm really excited about it one of the things that 
I'm actually in a way most excited about is the fact that from everyone who's been on the trip so far, I keep hearing how friendly and supportive that atmosphere is. And immersion is intense, right? And that's one of the reasons it pushes you forward so quickly because you you need a bit of pain to make the gains, I guess. But um, that makes it extra important, I think, to be in a really nice environment where, just like Carl was saying just now, where Catherine would you know take time to explain something, uh, or like Ryan was saying, people will re-explain themselves if if someone doesn't understand something so yeah that's one of the things that I think is really important to me in organizing these retreats to make it a really nice atmosphere for everyone definitely and I think one thing I'd add is also that the three of us here who have been on previous retreats Esther you haven't had the chance to yet you're signed up for the next one but the three of us who have been on the previous retreats are totally different levels in Chinese yet we've we've all found it equally rewarding for us Mm -hmm. in terms of our um, ability to gain from it for our Chinese learning so I think that's something to reiterate as well. But Carl, I'm wondering if you could tell us a bit more about your plans for the future. What do you have lined up in terms of these retreats in the future? So we have another retreat happening on the 4th of November for the bonfire night weekend. And then we also have another one happening on December the 30th, which will celebrate New Year. And also over the next few days, there's a great opportunity to get involved in a raffle sponsored by a Hack Chinese to win a place on one of these trips. And Hack Chinese is a spaced repetition vocabulary tool built specifically for Mandarin Chinese. And they will pay the full costs for a single booking for two nights. And the raffle will run until 11.59 on the 13th of October. And the winner will be able to choose a place on either the 4th of November retreat or the December 30th retreat. And you can enter by um, going to our website and filling out the form or by tagging a friend and hack Chinese and Mandarin retreat in an Instagram post. Perfect. And I'll include a link in the description to where people should go if they want to enter that raffle to the mandarinretreat.com website. So thank you everybody for joining us today. And thank you to our three guests. Uh, that's been a really fascinating discussion. As I say, I've been I've been involved in the two previous retreats. I massively encourage anybody listening who has the opportunity to get involved to do so. And once again, thanks to the three of you for joining us. Thanks. Great thank you. So that's it for this week's episode of the I'm Learning Mandarin podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or imlearningmandarin.com to have new blogs and podcasts pinged straight to your email. You can also join our Facebook group where we post links to our weekly Sunday language exchange group chat. That's on facebook.com slash groups slash imlearningmandarin, all one word. So we'll be back in two weeks time. And until then, goodbye.